Welcome to the Shark City Podcast, the official podcast of Shark City Hockey, a San Jose Sharks fan site and content hub. Glad to be back talking Sharks hockey with you all. As mentioned in previous episodes, we'll get together more than likely on a weekly basis as we close out the Sharks 2022-23 NHL season. So, the San Jose Sharks were officially declared eliminated from Stanley Cup playoff contention this past week, but let's be real, the Sharks have been in the race for Connor Bedard rather than in the race for a wildcard spot since January. In the last 20 games, the Sharks have only 5 victories, even worse, they have only 6 wins on home ice all season long. If the Sharks do not win 3 more games at the tank, they have 5 more games remaining at home. And if they do not win three more games, they will finish the season with the worst home record at downtown San Jose in franchise history and the worst record on home ice since the Cal Palace days. There are four weeks remaining in the San Jose Sharks season. As the Sharks close out their 32nd campaign, they are flirting with the wrong side of history, having a 1937-15 and 15 record and only 53 points in the standings. With 11 games remaining, this roster is currently at risk of having the worst points percentage in 27 years and being the worst Sharks team since 1993. So yes, the San Jose Sharks will miss the Stanley Cup playoffs for the fourth consecutive season. As a fan base that has never experienced a playoff drought like this before, we are swimming through uncharted waters and are also left with a lot of questions ending the season rather than answers. Now, I don't know about all of you out there, but for me, some of the questions that immediately come up, especially after this past week of action, is how long will Sharks hockey be this way? Can David Quinn or Mike Greer solve the Sharks' problems? Will next year's draft pick be enough to bring the team back to a playoff push? And lastly, will next year's roster be enough to fill the tank to its capacity? Because honestly, even whether, you know, whether I'm, in the stands or at home, there's nothing more beautiful than seeing the Shark Tank you know, at capacity. I think any fan has probably been thinking of, the, for the past you know, few months, since October. Um, and I, Okay, we'll say since January. I'll be real with you. Come January, I think the Sharks were not too far away. I mean, they weren't in a playoff position, but they definitely weren't. Um, you know, in you know, one of the front runners for the number one overall draft selection. Anyways, um, so you know, for a little, for for a minute there, you know, there was some kind of hope, but at least since the beginning of the year, you know, that first the beginning of this year, twenty twenty three specifically, January twenty twenty three, you know, sharks look like they're going to start hot and strong, and then all of a sudden they just fell off. Anyways. Um, so how long will Sharks hockey be this way? I don't know. I mean, I'm if I had to, if I had to guess, I would say two more years. And I'm not implying that they're going to miss the playoffs for two more years, but what I'm saying is that the Sharks may not be finding their way into cup contender status for at least two seasons. I think, you know, Mike Greer and David Quinn, in terms of like their ability to solve the Sharks' problems, I think Mike Greer can get it done. I'm on the fence about David Quinn. I'm just being honest. Nothing against the guy. I'm just, I'm on the fence simply because this, without a doubt, is is a plug. Not to imply that that Quinn isn't qualified to be an NHL head coach, but you would be naive to believe that his previous association with Mike Greer didn't get him a foot in the door with the organization, no matter how much they try to tell you that wasn't the case. You know what I'm saying? 
That, that's, that's just how I feel. You know, I could be completely wrong and that's fine. But that's just what it seems like. So, you know, am I convinced that David Quinn will actually turn his team around? Uh, no, but I'm optimistic. I think my girl will more than likely have a longer stay in San Jose than Quinn will essentially. And uh, I feel like Mike Greer will get this team back in the right direction, not just in terms of Stanley Cup playoffs, but also in terms of salary cap, the contract issues, and etc. Uh, so, you know, <clears throat> with just 11 games remaining, and even the broadcasters were in pregame speaking of, you know, the broadcast team, about how there's not really much to look forward to. Obviously, you know, you have, you know, Andrew Akazino, Nikolai Kanisov, the likes of Willem Eklund, who's just been sent back down. You know, those are things to pay attention to, right? And then Eric Carlson as he's, you know, hunting for 100. But in reality, like when you're watching these games, again, in the fashion in which they're going down, but so, so, so what, what's all that mean? You know, this is all going for the draft pick, right? That's what it seems like. I think a couple of weekends, a couple of weeks ago, the broadcast team was even already doing their own little like Bedard preview. You know, everyone's, Everyone's banking on this. I know they say tank on Bedard, but I think they should be called a bank on Bedard because, you know, this guy better be what, what he's being projected and being you know, built up to, to be on the ice. You know, better a better transition or translate. or tra- You know, he better have that great transition to NHL. And pardon me if I sound like snub, like, oh, you better. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm just simply saying that, you know, there's a lot on the line for a lot of these franchises, including the Sharks. And I'm sure they're going to reap the reward if they do get Bedard because, I mean, the guy's outstanding. I think he just hit 70 points in like 50 like seven games in the WHL, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, you know, he it's not a bust. You know what I'm saying? But um, a lot of teams are banking on him to turn turn the franchise around. And I think the Celtic Sharks, if they were to land him, are definitely banking on this guy to turn things around because, you know... Um, they're hoping to make a playoff push, and again, you know, um, they're gonna need they're gonna need him to, um, you know, regain some of the interest of the uh, you know Bay Area fan base here. But even if the Sharks land Connor Bedard, there may be seasons you know he he may be seasons away before uh, being utilized here. If there's any indication from how the Sharks have handled Eklund's contract, Bedard will most likely go through the Sharks' rite of passage and have his entry level contract slide. This would allow the Sharks to figure out if David Quinn's system is best for the club's future while giving John McCarthy one of the best, you know, giving him one of the best players in the world to suit up for his team with the Barracuda. And, I mean, just imagine the hottest place in hockey, the hottest place in the hockey world being Tech CU Arena for a couple of seasons. Let's be honest, though. If there is any player for this club to start immediately in the National Hockey League and market immediately to the fan base, it would be Connor Bedard. So if the Sharks end up with the number one draft selection this offseason, then Bedard may be the exception to an entry-level contract slide. The hockey world would probably cry as loud as they did when the Sharks in a trade away Eric Carlson to a playoff contender if Bedard was in place in the NHL on a full-time basis immediately anyways. So I don't see the Sharks giving them a tour of Kuda country if they were to draft them. So if the Sharks indeed land to Connor Bedard, Will next year's roster be enough to fill the tank to his capacity? I say with Bordelow and Eklund on his side, absolutely. If they do not get Bedard and they get one of the top five draft choices, then, you know, maybe it's a whole different situation. Maybe they go through the entry-level contract slide and, you know, um, 
you know, may, maybe has a different impact on the roster. Obviously, we have to wait for some offseason deals and for some free agent signings, if any, um, that would, you know, boost a team up to a playoff contender status. <clears throat> but um, all I have to say is, you know, if the Sharks get Connor Bedard, will he help the team get back to the playoff push with Eklund and perhaps borderline side? I think so. Uh, if it's another, uh, if it's not Connor Bedard, then perhaps we won't have to wait a couple of years until, you know, the Sharks utilize him on a full time status. Um, so if Connor Bedard joins Eklund and Bordello, then yeah, I think I think the chances are that the tank might start to fill up. If Connor Bedard isn't playing until come next season, then I think Bordello and Eklund have enough star status to bring. But besides next year's draft choice and when they'll be utilized in the NHL, I think the Sound of the Sharks are still a couple of key players away from actually getting some genuine interest from People outside of your typical devoted, hardcore San Jose Sharks fans. Obviously, you know, the goal is to grow, grow the game, grow the market in the Bay Area. So, yeah, they want to bring in their they want to bring in their fans that they currently have. But the goal is to grow their fan base even more, right? Bring in more people. Bring in people who may, may have never even been to a game before. So I think, you know, the Sharks are a few pieces away from actually being able to accomplish that, even if they get um, a star-studded rookie next uh, draft, um, you know, next for next season come draft time. I think we need a legitimate starting goaltender. I think we need another legitimate piece on the defense. Now, whether the Sharks are going to, find that in Kanisov is yet to be seen whether Ferraro can actually rise to that challenge and you know finally become what the Sharks thought he would be but we are a couple of key players away from actually like having what I feel is a legitimate solid club that would make people say hey I want to go down to the Shark Tank and watch that life I want to watch that player life so, you know, Connor Bedard may help, but um, I think the Sharks are a few key pieces away. Anyway, so the Sharks are officially eliminated from the playoffs, and how does this Sharks fan feel about that? Honestly, whatever. And why? If Sharks players don't care, then why should I? That's how I feel. Look at the way the games have been going down. Look at the effort on the ice. I'm referring to the overtime loss against the Columbus Blue Jackets when three San Jose Sharks Watched the opponent spread out Kapokakinen, who, by the way, made a spectacular sequence of saves on that 2-on-0. The Sharks hosted the worst team in the National Hockey League and failed to secure a win at home. Unshockingly, there were moments in which some lines appeared to not give it their all and presented the Blue Jackets with opportunities to close it out, like in overtime, losing 6-5. to In the following game, the Sharks showed more heart or swag, as Coach Quinn often calls it, and three San Jose Sharks players came diving to the empty net to bail out James Reimer against the Seattle Kraken, but the Sharks still lost in overtime, 2-1. In their last home game, a heartless performance against the Islanders, a 4-1 loss that concluded with the end of Eklund's time in the National Hockey League this season, and then most recently in Edmonton, finding a way to lose in overtime. But hey, a lot of you fans see the Sharks logo smirking as they are now closer to getting the best odds to win the 2023 NHL Draft Lottery, right? 
Now I'm with Curtis Brown when it comes to the draft lottery. During Sharks postgame live on NBC Sports after the Columbus Blue Jackets game, the former Sharks player said, and I quote, I don't care about this lottery stuff. I'm too emotional about the actual game. We have games to be played. There's teammates to make better, and that's your job as a hockey player. This is not a right. It's a privilege. End quote. And I feel it. Now, granted, what he said was in the heat of the moment, so I'm not trying to take it out of context. But it's true. There is a there is a significant portion of the fan base that wants to see the Sharks win now and does not care about securing the number one overall pick. Now, what I've been seeing online is often when people are in favor for winning now, the default response is typically like um, something along the lines of like, you're not a real Sharks fans if you don't understand why these results are good for the team. You know, you have those Sharks fans out there that are, that are just like, hey, you know what, we need to build up on future talent because here and now isn't happening. And I understand this is going to be the fourth consecutive year the Sharks are missing the playoffs. But for us fans here who are investing in the game, watching the game, showing up to the games, the people watched 30 losses at the tank this season. And one of the most recent losses over time, they literally watched their team in their brand new threads all till head to freaking skate casually retreat from the O zone, the offensive zone, into their defensive zone to help out Capo Kakinen. They did that at home. That's something I would expect to see when you're on the road, but they did that on home ice. Anyways, my bad. Let me take a, a stride back here. <laughs> so I get it. I understand both sides of the coin are the argument here, okay? Yes, having the opportunity for the first time in franchise history, you know, to get the number one overall draft choice is um, very fortuitous long-term, right? But... For right now, the in the fashion in which these games are going down, it's not a good look for Sharks. And it makes watching it just... Anyways, you understand. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with Curtis Brown. You know what I mean? Um, I, get emotional about, I get emotional about the game too, right? So <laughs> let's move on here. Um, you know, the Sharks can drastically change their odds of securing the first ever number one overall pick in franchise history by continuing to fell upwards as fans we have 11 games left to see if the sharks will do that even though things look bleak in sharks territory there still remain a few lush stories to follow as the final wave approaches such as the on ice production of the seventh overall selection in the 2021 nhl entry draft 20 year old forward william ecklin so when we come back we are going to Take a look at Eklund's time with the Sharks this season 
and compare them to last seasons. Uh, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right here on the Shark City Podcast. The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot and even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Shark City Podcast. Shark City Podcast is the official podcast of Shark City Hockey, a Sounds a Sharks fan site and content hub. Eklund has just finished up his 2022-23 tour in Sharks territory. He is on his way back to Kuta country. The Sounds like Sharks elected to extend Eklund's entry-level contract for another year by reassigning him to the American Hockey League with the Sounds like Barracuda. For those who are not aware, when a professional hockey player is drafted at the age of 18 or 19 and signs an entry-level contract with an NHL team, the player's contract can be extended by another year if that player doesn't play in 10 NHL games. This is referred to as the entry-level slide or the contract slide rule, as I was just speaking of in the last segment about our next draft choice. Per CapFriendly.com, if a player who is signed to an entry-level contract and is 18 or 19 years of age as of September 15th of the signing year does not play a minimum of 10 NHL games, including both the regular season and playoffs, AHL games do not count, their contract is considered to slide or extend by one year. For example, if a player signed an ELC for three seasons from 2015 to 18 and their contract slides, their contract is now affected from 2016 to 19. An exception of this rule is if the player is 19 on September 15th of the first year of their contract and turns 20 between September 16th and December 31st. Their contract does not slide. I know it was a whole earful, it was a mouthful, so for more details, check out the cat-friendly link in the description, alright? Alright, so now that we've seen Eklund 2.0, let's compare the first two seasons that Willem Eklund has played in the San Jose Sharks sweater. We'll start with last season under former head coach Bob Bugner. Willem Eklund played in nine games. He recorded eight shots on goal, 15 shot attempts, four hits, four block shots, 129 minutes with an average of 14 minutes, 20 seconds of time on ice. Eklund started out hot, four assists in his first four games. It took him some time this season to find groove with his line mates. Uh, speaking of which, uh, last season, William Eklund was in the following line combinations. He played with Rudolph's Bossers and Tomas Hurdle. He also played with Jonathan Dolan and Logan Couture and with Nick Benito and Rudolph's Bossers. Those names seem so distant. It's crazy to think that was just last season, right? Uh, so here we are, back back to the present. Eklund played just eight games, scoring three points, including his first career NHL goal, and then his second on his first career NHL penalty shot. In eight games, Eklund recorded 18 shots on goal, 34 shot attempts, seven hits, and six block shots, 159 minutes with an average of 19 minutes and 50 seconds of time on ice. 
This season, Eklund played in the following lines. He played alongside Tomas Hurdle and Fabian Zetterlin, Kevin LeBanc and Logan Couture, and Tomas Hurdle and Alexander Barabanov. Obviously, the biggest difference between last season and this season is that Willem Eklund scored goals, mainly due to the fact that he had an increase in shot attempts, 34 this season compared to 15 last season. And he also has been getting more time on the ice, almost playing the entire period each game. Very impressive for the 20-year-old. Now, it was no secret that the Sharks were going to utilize Eklund for just a small little sample size and keep him within the CBA and under 10 games. So I know a lot of Sharks fans out there wish that Eklund finished the season, but, you know, again, this makes perfect hockey and business sense. Plus, Eklund is smashing with the Barracuda this season. He played 52 games. He has 17 goals, 24 assists for 41 points including 103 shots on goal. Seriously, he's going to do some good things for the CUDA to help them try to get to the playoffs this season, and then we will see Eklund full-time next season, guaranteed. On a side note, I do feel for Eklund. You know, this is the second year in a row in which you got reports of him looking visibly upset. Obviously, last season, he was given a press conference, and it was shown on a Zoom call. Um, this season, um, it was just pretty much the reports that we're getting from the local, uh, beat reporters here, right? That he looked, he, he did not look happy, um, after coming out of the office with, um, coach Quinn. And then immediately coach Quinn announced that, um, Eklund was going to go back to the, um, to the CUDA. All right, moving on. Let's finish off the program here with Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson scored two goals in last night's contest against the Edmonton Oilers, imagine that. All right, so the the Edmonton Oilers were rumored to want to to want to have acquired Eric Carlson, and this guy scores two goals against them. He scored uh, three points altogether, if I'm not mistaken, and um, he became the fourth player in San Jose Sharks franchise history last night to score 86 points or more in a single season. So congratulations, Eric Carlson. He broke a tie with um, most points in the season with Owen Nolan. And then he even tied Patrick Marlowe all on the same night. Um, it's amazing. He's actually still, uh, he was, it was looking a little, you know, dire there for a second. Like it was wondering if the well was going to dry up, right? Post um, trade deadline, it didn't seem as if there was any magic left in Eric Carlson. He was kind of going on a little cold streak there, kind of like, you know, but he's still on a hundred point pace. 82 games played. He is at a 100-point pace right now. He has an 87.65 assist, EK65 with 65 assists, 22 goals. Uh, these are obviously all career highs for Eric Carlson, so congratulations. Um, I would go and argue with Sharks fans to say, does this, does this, if he reaches 100 points, does this, like, change your mind or your heart on Eric Carlson being a San Jose Shark long-term. All right, and that right there is going to do it for this edition of the Shark City Podcast. I am Aaron James. The Shark City Podcast is the official podcast of Shark City Hockey, a San Jose Sharks fan site and content hub. 
Shark City Hockey is a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. You can follow us on social media at Shark City Hockey and find all of our videos and podcasts at SharkCityHockey.com. Thank you again, and until next time, let's go Sharks.